Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome everyone to The Distraction here on Fightful.com. I am Jeremy Lambert, joined, as always, by the celebratory Joe Holbert. Joe, how are you today? Well, as you know, Jeremy, I'm very excited. Today's a special day. It has been for many years now. Like today is the three-year anniversary of the uh, Mac Classic that took place at a pay-per-view I've forgotten the name of in San Jose where the hometown hero was slayed by one fatal DDT, Jeremy, and um, that sparked one of the great feuds in modern professional wrestling, correct? So, day to celebrate today, as you said, day to celebrate. Wasn't it Extreme Rules? No, the kendo stick oh. was Extreme Rules, which I will always remember uh, for different <laughs> I thought reasons. That was, was that not in San Jose as well? No, no, um, the San Jose right. deal was the, yeah, the original, the Mac Classic, you know, the one where they went 45 minutes... People thought they were going to go Broadway, and then the DDT kind of closed the show. Incredible stuff. Oh, I, I clearly uh, was very affected by this match and have a great memory of all the details of it. Well, congratulations to to you for. I know this is a big day for you, big uh, big party over there. I'm shocked you're doing the show today and you're not completely drunk, but I appreciate your professionalism. Yeah, there is some kind of festivities going on later but for now i i prioritize this show jeremy as you know i put this first i said okay we'll party afterwards and there will be some partying going on but i'm a professional so let's do this show and let's talk about professional wrestling jeremy our favorite <laughs> topic let's get to it we do love professional wrestling before we get yes. into it as people might be able to see let's see right there in the corner we have a distraction logo a hashtag if you would like to uh join the conversation on twitter use the hashtag the distraction uh sources are telling me we're trending worldwide number one right now so we appreciate everyone who has joined the conversation on social media (laughs) yeah Uh, and do not use it to say that i lost in the draft that is not what i want um (laughs) But then again, I'd rather you do it there than in my mentions. So actually, feel free, if you must, yes. (laughs) 
Uh, part two of our TEW draft will be up tomorrow morning, or not tomorrow, Saturday morning at 7 o'clock. Um, that'll be up on Fightful.com. This is our Thursday show where we actually talk about wrestling. We put five minutes on the clock, discuss the topics, the, the pressing, important topics that are on our minds of the show, the professional sport that we watch that nearly two million people a week watch, Joe. Big numbers every single week with the wrestling if you enjoy this show, we have a Tuesday show where we review wrestling movies, related movies. We just did The Chaperone with Triple H on Tuesday, a fantastic movie, a fantastic show. We found out how big of a draw Triple H is in New Zealand, so layered and nuanced podcasting review for all you folks out there. And then Weekends is our TEW series, but let's get into the wrestling, Joe. Let's begin with, I guess, the biggest news of the week. Kane. Kane Velasquez. Not the Demon Kane. Not the Mayor Kane. Not the Big Red Machine Kane. Kane Velasquez was released as part of the uh, big WWE releases over the past week. Joseph, favorite memory of Kane's run in WWE? My absolute favorite. This is actually easy for me, and I'm not making it up. The the deal where they had Ray go out there with him as they didn't speak English is one of the funniest things I've ever seen on <laughs> WWE TV. Like, where he just stood there and, like, he didn't even sit and know what was going on. I have to be very careful here, Jeremy, right? Because me and you did a show not long ago. It feels like years ago, but I'm pretty sure it was a week. And we were talking about the releases and we were, you know, humming and hawing and we were concerned about these men and women, rightly so. So I don't want to come on here and do the I told you so deal. But if me and you had a podcast when this stuff happened, I feel me and you right now would be doing a victory lap. Who, what was this about? What was this idea? I remember reading headlines about the hottest free agent. <laughs> he was a struggle from the start because he was like, he was able to do luchador stuff, which is cool. Very cool. But the, the whole part, like if he's a draw, it's because he's a UFC guy and he's not really a draw. He didn't like tick any box to me other than Brock got his win back, which is very Hogan of him. I respect that. Um, it was not Halloween Havoc, though I think it took place on Halloween, which is even better. Um, <laughs> what to say, man? I, look, this was just an incredible experience that went exactly as I expected. Um, an MMA fight with dwindling star power, a bad look, and no promo. In fact, did not work in professional wrestling. You'll be shocked tonight. October... Anybody who is has won victory over somebody and then they get booked against that person in October, don't take that match. Just just don't do it. Do not take that match because I think the precedent has now been set with uh, Warrior and Velasquez here. This whole thing never made sense to me. Uh, it was a three-year deal as well. Like they, they, they had hopes for this guy apparently and they brought him in to no reaction to close that SmackDown on Fox show. We talked about this off air in our four hour therapy session of that first SmackDown on Fox show. The biggest stars coming out of that were Becky Brock and I guess Kane and one's released and the other two were on raw. So great way to, you know, boost the SmackDown on Fox profile there. I, I love the press conference with Velasquez where they actually had him talk and it was just, it wasn't good. This dude was never charismatic in MMA. He, no. People got behind him because he just beat dudes up. Like he kicked Junior Dos Santos' ass and people were like, oh, this dude's a, a killer. And, you know, Joe Rogan always does the, the killer thing and puts everybody over. Like 
I never got the appeal of Kane, and I'm a, I was a big Kane fan in MMA. Injuries ruined this guy's career, and it didn't seem like it helped him in wrestling either. And now he's gone. One match. They got one televised match out of him after making him the focal point of that SmackDown on Fox show. <laughs> yeah, when you put it like that, it really is staggering. Um, you're right. Kane was awesome in MMA. One of the most exciting heavyweights ever, right? That's fair to say. Pretty easy. Yeah. Um, the issue is, is like, even at his absolute peak, I remember there being conversations and a dialogue about like, how are the UFC going to promote this guy? Which is when they did the whole first Mexican heavyweight champ deal, which at the time felt a little bit like Uncle Dana being very scared about what they were going to do with him after following up Brock Lesnar with Cain Velasquez. Great fighter. We both hope that he has money saved back from those uh, free, like, to-the-death battles with Junior DeSantos. I guess the first one was short, right? He lost the first one, and then he just nearly killed Junior twice, which was very scary. Um, I assume he's financially fine, right? Which is why I'm not too, like, you know, I don't want to oversell this, uh, Jeremy. He has lost his job. That is very sad. But this felt like a very predictable flop. This was not one I'm surprised at. And this now becomes, like, one of the great trivia questions, right? Like, who was the MMA fighter that closed the first SmackDown on Fox? No one's getting it. I, I promise you, no one is getting it. Um, it, I guess Vince was, he found out he had this knee injury and then he was viewed as injury prone. This dude was injury prone his whole MMA career. That's why he's not the greatest MMA uh, heavyweight of all time. Like that was his career trajectory. Trajectory. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I might be yes. drunk off the Alexa Bliss celebration. Uh, that was his uh, career trajectory there, is the greatest heavyweight of all time. And because of injuries, it just – it never happened. Like he fought – he fought Junior De Santos three times. He fought um, – who who was it? Bigfoot. He fought Bigfoot Silva like two times. Oh, my goodness. And, and that was it. Like he, oh, he killed them both times. But like those were his title defense. He just fought the same two dudes five times. And like that was the peak of his career after uh, beating Brock. Yeah. And he had that weird deal with Ngani, right, where like people were pretending he didn't get knocked out because his knee gave out. And he's like, no, he definitely <laughs> got punched in the face. Before. The reason his knee gave out is because he got punched directly in the face. But, yeah, he, he was a legit badass. Great fighter. His wrestling career to some people will be like a missed opportunity because they watched the stuff he did, the two matches he did before. As someone that watched the Twitter highlights, this is about what I expected. But I wish him the best. I don't know what the best is for him because I assume he's not fighting again, right? Like, it feels like that's done. So I guess <laughs> go back to AAA, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what to say, Jeremy. I would not rule him out fighting again. I, I just okay. I wouldn't do it. Fight Island, they're not testing over on Fight Island. He can, he'll be fine. Uh, I would not rule him out fighting again, honestly. I, my pitch was you book, uh, Stipe Miocic against Francis Ngannou on Fight Island for the heavyweight title. Whoever wins, wins. Show closes. Here comes Cain Velasquez. That's how you close the first Fight Island show. That would be incredible. I mean, the thing is, I'm actually an idiot for saying any of this because heavyweight is like the oldest division. Like, yeah. Alistair Overeem is still like fifth at heavyweight and he's been knocked out. I mean, God bless him. I love Alistair Overeem, but the man has been knocked out many a time and he's still like a genuine contender. So, Kane, he's like brand new by a quick, by comparison to these guys. So, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe he'll be champion in a few years. We can talk about him then, right? 
I I would honestly be shocked if he doesn't have another fight. I would be 100% shocked. Um, yeah, maybe he continues in wrestling. I think the, the AAA stuff he got kind of overhyped on because he did a lot of cool moves, but he also just, that was it. He wasn't in the ring for very long. He didn't, you know, really show, you know, he showed some promise and whatnot, but he didn't have to work a long match. He worked six-man matches for reasons. And then WWE just made him into an MMA fighter because, of course, um, we'll see what happens with Kane. I, I, I think you're right. In two years, when we're still doing this show, uh, we'll be talking about him as the UFC heavyweight champion. I think he'll be like 42 by then. Kane is old. Wow. I mean, that makes me feel old. But what I will say is I'm changing my prediction. He will not be the UFC heavyweight champ. He'll be the Bellator heavyweight oh. champ because he would have then he would have then outpointed Czech Congo in a rematch. Czech Congo would probably be like 50 at that point. He'll look the same. He always looks the same. Um, and they will have run it back. And, and that will be the real moment we discuss. And it will hopefully mark another occasion we can celebrate, just like today. Right? That's what I'm hoping for. Bellator MMA heavyweight champion is a very good call, actually. This this has a high a high percentage of actually happening that Kane wins the Bellator yes. title. Yeah, it's not a great feat at this point, I feel. So yeah, it's it's odds on, I think. I don't even know who the Bellator heavyweight champion is. It it's doesn't matter. Bader, right? Isn't Bader oh, doing is a double Ryan champ Bader. deal? Yeah, yeah, he's a double champ. Yeah. You know more than I do. Good job, Joseph. Let's move Thank on to, to Samoa Joe. He is back on commentary after uh, still being sidelined with concussion issues that were suffered in February while shooting a commercial. Joseph, we're both big fans of Samoa Joe, but his run, I don't know. It's not looking good for him now that he's back on commentary. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, we're starting with really positive topics here to uh, mark the <laughs> celebration episode. Um one man has lost his job and he's injury prone. Now we've got another man who's changing jobs because he's injury prone. But look, we love Joe. When I read this news, it was the ultimate bittersweet deal, right? Like it was like, oh, that's awesome. Joe's a great commentator. He's definitely better than the King. Um, great news. And then I kind of thought about it and I was like, that seems ominous to me. It seems a little bit telling because the first time is one thing because you have the angle to get out of it, right? The heels come over. He doesn't move. Great angle, everyone loves it, Joe's back. The issue is that now it's like you can't just do that angle again, which makes me think this is a kind of, I don't want to say full-time, I don't have no like, information on this at all. I'm just saying it wouldn't surprise me if he becomes a, more of a commentator than a wrestler, a guy that still has the odd match for an angle or something like that. Perhaps probably the best comparison is like Taz right at the end of his in-ring, you know, where he was doing SmackDown and kind of, that's probably the one I would, I would look to. I don't know. It just feels like as great as Joe is, and he is all-time great. Like, he's incredible. They have so many guys. I don't know if you can keep like going back to that when you've had so much evidence that it just isn't meant to be, I guess. It's good news that he is going to be on the show because he is a great commentator. You don't have to, you don't have to, have, to have him wrestle right now. Um, he's... I guess he's injury prone. His injuries have certainly mounted over the past year plus. So you don't need him mm -hmm. wrestling in front of nobody. His promos would be fine, but it at least keeps him on the show without having to get physical. But I'm with you. Like, how do you remove him from that position now? Once this happens, is, is he just, all right, uh, I'm cleared. I'm done commentating. And then that's it. I, I mean, you could do that. They've done 
uh, they've done worse ideas. They've done more complicated yeah. ideas, but this is just you know pretty pretty basic thing without much explanation. But hey, it, it it makes sense to an extent, so you can do that. But you're right about the. It just seems to be the evidence of it's just maybe not there. Like we talked about it when a few weeks ago when we were just discussing Joe and the concussion and everything. Like this guy's been in the company for like four or five years and has had a minute of wrestling time at WrestleMania. Like he's just missed mania every year for, for some reason, you know, the first year it seemed like he was going to set something up with Seth and he got hurt. And you know, the, the one year with Mysterio, I, I, who, uh, Mysterio was hurt that year. Correct. And so they, they had to go. The Mysterio match. Yeah. They did the short match. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other year he got injured before like around January time, I think. And obviously this year we had, the whole range of stuff that happened. So, yeah. Right. But he he, was, he would have been injured right. for this year as well, though. Like, had yeah. Mania yeah. taken place as scheduled, he would have been injured for that. So, mm-hmm. it's just, it doesn't look like it's too good for Samoa Joe, unfortunately, because we are big fans. And he came in a little bit later than you would have liked him to. He still could have been a world champion in the company. Like, he could have beaten mm-hmm. AJ. He could have even beaten Brock, and I think it would have been very believable. Uh, they they just didn't do it with him, and now the the time has probably passed for anything like that. Yeah, because the deal is, like, if there was any thinking of, okay, when Joe's back, we're going to bring him back as a babyface like he was before, I don't think you're going to have him on commentary right now, right? Like, you want that to be the moment, because he was, I guess in storyline, he was taken out by Rollins guys. I don't know, he just kind of disappeared, right? So, um, yeah, it's brutal. But I always just go glass half full on this one. And I know that's not on brand for me, Jeremy. I know we do a lot of whining on here. But I am thankful that this run happened. It hasn't been perfect. You know, you couldn't win the title, as you say. You could have won it, definitely. But we still got those moments, right? And, man, they once seemed like a really, like, long shot, right? Him wrestling Brock Lesnar at a pay-per-view named Great Balls of Fire would have been an incredible betting prop not long ago. So... I'll take it, man. We got some great matches. We got more great promos, some tremendous promos. And the NXT deal is like, I know not everyone loves that era of NXT title matches. I get that. That's fine. But he was very important as far as he was the first, like, to me, he was the first star on that brand because Balor's great and he had his own kind of following. But Joe was coming straight from TNA TV. Now, granted, that isn't that doesn't mean a lot. I understand that. But at the time... It was a big deal, right? Joe going there to just be like an NXT guy. He wasn't doing a PC deal. He was just going in and out for tapings and stuff. So I think this was all worthwhile. We would have liked a little bit more. But if it is the end of like the full-time chapter, I think he's had a pretty tremendous career. He's covered a lot of bases here. And the story they tell with NXT was that he wasn't even signed. They brought him in. His, his shirt sold out like that night. And then they were like, hey, maybe we should sign this guy. And so that's how it happened. So it was really just, it seemed like he was just brought in to get that pop off of uh, Kevin Owens and everything. And then they realized this guy's pretty popular. Let's actually sign him. And that kind of led to, you know, more people getting signed. Because Joe kind of, he had the TNA stigma on him. And he quickly shed that with how popular he was with NXT. And that led to kind of more of the TNA guys getting brought in. So if you're happy that any TNA guy got signed by WWE, you can thank Samoa Joe. I don't know if that's true, but I'm going to give the thank you to Samoa Joe regardless. Yeah, and as a Bobby Roode super fan, I'm incredibly thankful, uh, Jeremy. <laughs> really means a lot to me. But 
I think one of the cool parts of it is, like, obviously Joe's great, but it is pretty awesome that he has been validated as a truly great promo guy, right? Because you can yeah. tell that Vince and Co. 100% see him that way. Any chance they've got, they give him a microphone, and now he's on commentary. So that's neat for a guy who had all these classic matches across the world and stuff. To be to finish his career as the like most unanimously loved promo is tremendous. That's That's a cool little touch, I think. Samoa Joe, if you haven't, his WWE matches, there are a few that stand out, uh, but obviously his work in ROH and TNA, he has uh, just a handful of classic matches in those promotions. Oh yeah, in his WWE, it's similar to AJ almost, where you'll mm-hmm. remember AJ for in his WWE run for like what he did on the, the microphone, everything else before that, he was just a really fantastic wrestler. And that's not to say Joe wasn't a fantastic promo during his uh, independent run, but people remember more of those matches than the promos and WWE they're just always going to remember the promos yeah he he was always a guy who was good at like ramping up the intensity you know going wild on the mic but he really managed to channel that like well-spoken element of the character that was always him obviously in reality but he found like the tv channel for that I think because I remember at the end of his TNA run man he wasn't he wasn't cutting a ton of promos right like I don't know that says a lot about them I guess but he, he was able to change his style a little bit and make himself a bit more versatile uh, on the mic. And it showed because as we find out every single week, Jeremy, WWE TV promos are very, very tough to leave <laughs> looking good. right? And he did it consistently. And that is a feat. Trust me, that is a feat. Sticking with Raw, Apollo Crews is getting a big push on Raw in recent weeks. He had a long match with uh, Aleister Black that impressed a lot of people. He qualified for Money in the Bank by defeating MVP. And then he had he pinned Andrade in a multi-man tag match this past week, and then got a U.S. title shot, but lost when his uh he suffered a knee injury, and then he was pulled out of the Money in the Bank match. And now I guess we're gonna get a gauntlet match this Monday to decide the the final participant. Joseph, they're pushing Apollo Cruz. This is what we wanted for two three years now. I think like are you're excited for this Apollo Cruz push, right? Hmm. Perhaps <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not sure. I think I might have missed a few of those episodes where I said that. But I um, speaking of good promos, right? Straight to Apollo <laughs> Cruz. Hey, look, Apollo Cruz is a very talented guy that was absolutely a victim of this system, this dumb system where Finn Balor stays in NXT and you call up Apollo Cruz even though he's like barely over with that audience. You just call him up because there's a good body. Like, cool, good idea, guys. Um, everyone thought it was a bad idea then. It has been proven a bad idea because four years later, I believe it is four years. Jeremy, really, I, 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 I legitimately I, I thought it was. Only, I legitimately thought it was only like two or three years. I didn't realize it was in four years of Apollo Crews. You no, that can't be right. I'm looking this up. I'm certain. I'm looking. I'm certain. This I mean, I could be lying. I'm probably lying, <laughs> but I think it is four years because you had the Titus Worldwide deal, right? Where he was a tag team for a while with Dana Brooke, and she was doing the. The calculator. Did she have the calculator? Is that a WCW gimmick? She, she had, had, she had the notebook. Hands. Yeah, she was doing advanced analytics. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it was great stuff, obviously. <laughs> um, he's a very talented guy. I just, it's tough now, right? You're digging out of a hole that you've built for yourself for no apparent reason. You've just never done anything with him. Oh, um, my God. He I was... liked the injury thing. Okay, what's happening? He was called up April 2016. Oh, my God. God. Go, <laughs> I did not realize it had been that long. Exactly. He's less over now than when he came up. Yes, he's less. Because him and Corbin were the two guys they opted to call up on the brand with um, 
Joe, Shinsuke, <laughs> Finn Balor, all these guys. <laughs> but nonetheless, this is what they do, right? Look, it's not his fault, it's not mine, but we're talking about it. And he's doing good with what he's been given. I liked the injury thing. I don't know about you, Jeremy, I liked it. Because it gives him a, a sympathetic angle. I don't know if you're going to be able to give this guy a great character. I don't know if that's him, but give us something to root for. The injury does that. Eventually, we get back to this match, which was very good, by the way. So I'm fine with it. I like it. Where do you think this is going? Because we've seen this before. They maybe do something for a week or two, and then they just don't have anything after it. Like right now, it would seem like the the story is going to lead to Apollo Crews winning at least the United States title. I mean, maybe he appears in this gauntlet match on Monday, fights through the injury, wins that, goes on the money in the bank. I don't think they're putting money in the bank on him, but who knows? Um, but it seems like at the very least it ends with him winning the United States title. Do you think they actually follow through with that? Or is this just a, we needed something to do with this guy for three weeks during the pandemic. Let's do this. And then let's forget about it a month from now. Call me naive, Jeremy, (laughs) but I think they are going to put the title on him. And I think this will be ready for me to go full circle here. This will be the vehicle to do the angle I pitched 12 years ago where I think Zelina and Andrade are going to gonna be split here. I don't know if the Zelina thing is big enough for both Andrade and Gaza. I feel like they're going to use that. So the deal will be Apollo beats Andrade. Andrade's losing a lot recently, right? So then she can kind of, you know, she has the new guys. She doesn't care about Andrade anymore. Gaza's cooler. Or Gaza is going to be pulled away by Charlie Caruso, and I have looked at this the total wrong way, and it's actually the other way around. In which case, Apollo Cruz doesn't win the title. So I have no answer for you, is my actual answer, Jeremy, but I think he's winning the title. Yes, I do. The Charlie Caruso element is why I don't know if Garza is going to, if that's the way they're going to go, because Selena Vega's whole thing is don't get distracted, you know, stay on task, focus. Yeah. She would hate our podcast. Um, and, and then you've got Garza, you know, flirting with Charlie Caruso at every turn, even though we saw him propose to his girlfriend on NXT. So th- this is not what Zelina Vega is signed up for. So I could see him or um, I could see Garza being being dropped by, by Zelina and Andrade sticks with them. And then Garza is the one who ends up with the U.S. title out of all of this. And Apollo Crews is just a guy who got injured and then lost. Yeah, I mean, this is actually... Int- I don't want to just hijack Apollo's topic here. Bless him. Uh, we haven't got a lot to say, right? Good wrestler. Cool. <laughs> Good for him. What, which one would you switch babyface? If you just had... If I just said to you, forget anything else... Which one do you back as a babyface? Is it Gaza because of his charm, or is it that actually like just make him a better heel and you go with Andrade at long last? They've been wanting to do this, I think, for a long time. Do you finally switch Andrade? I don't know. Which one do you do? I would switch Garza. I, I really mm-hmm. like the um, Andrade Zelina pairing, and I don't. I guess Andrade could work as a babyface. It didn't work early in NXT, but I don't put that fully on him. Um, I think they've dropped the ball on the whole Andrade Zelina vague, uh, Selena angle until really just recently on how much they yeah. can get out of that. And I think there's still more there. Garza, uh, I think you can do more with him as just a, a flirty kind of baby face who is just booked as a 50-50 guy because the women distract him. You've convinced me. I've now considered this, and I—I I 50-50 Garza I'm, convinced I, you. 
Yeah, I, I love and- Andrade, but like I am very fearful that he would die as a babyface, which is how they produce TV. Like, there's obviously stories to tell with him. He's an amazing, interesting guy as far as what his career is, but in their hands, he would just be a nothing. So Gaza probably would fare better as a babyface. This has no impact on Apollo Crews, but I hope Apollo gets... I don't know. I'm not, I have no clue. I, I mean, Apollo's very talented. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I feel like he's... Oh, he's the guy to go with in that spot when you have as much talent as they do. But he still deserves a shot. I mean, it's been four years, as we said. So good for him. Will it end up in a US title run? Probably. Will it be a run we remember? Probably not. That's the actual answer, I think, for both of us. Garza is Umberto Carrillo with personality. And that's why you go with him as the babyface. I forget about Humberto Creo every time till you bring him up. I forget, and I'm a fan of the guy. I like him. I'm not even. I'm not even anti Humberto. I just always forget he exists, which seems like an indictment, but it probably just says more about me. Especially on today, a celebration day, Jeremy. Right, it's easy to forget these things. We're gonna jump to SmackDown. We haven't talked about this. It's a week old now, but whatever. We we haven't really talked about this. We we mentioned it briefly on the uh, Chaperone Review podcast, but. They they celebrated 25 years of Triple H on SmackDown. The celebration kind of continued on Raw. I don't. It didn't continue on NXT. Although NXT is just really a two hour long Triple H celebration every single week, if you think about it. Um, so they do this celebration thing. Shawn Michaels is there. You got Road Dog, Stephanie, uh, Ric Flair FaceTiming. You get Vince coming out and just owning up to all of his faults as a, a a good man would do. This was a very divisive segment. Joe, where do you fall on this segment? Um, I, I just, this whole deal, I don't, the Vince thing, I almost feel uneasy about touching because I legitimately came out of it a little bit concerned about the man. Yes. He just seemed, he seemed like a man who had been going through a lot. And I assume he has been going through a lot based on, I mean, as a fan watching these shows, I feel like I'm going through a lot. So the, <laughs> the fellow producing him must be, he looked like someone that had done that. So I don't even really want to go deep on that. I mean, I just, anytime these two fellows, and you know what I'm talking about, the D-Generation lads, Anytime they bust out the stand-up, the improv, and they start kind of... The, the bit where, um, obviously, I laughed at Stephanie's, you know... She was the best part of this part. whole segment. The yes, best but part. The, bit, the part when Sean was doing, like, the funny faces off, <laughs> like, you could hear her voice kind of deal. And I was just looking at him like, I swear to God, this man is in his 50s. You know, good look, good for him. He's having fun, much more fun than me. But my love, their stuff is just not for me. It never was, probably never will be, but it was exactly what I expected. And, of course, the whole deal was you were supposed to leave it being like, what self-deprecating fellas these guys are. Huh? Like they really dunked on Paul on his big day. Papa Paul, he did it. And it's like, he, I mean, it was. we didn't ask for this, right? This celebration was put on by them. I don't care about whether they were self-deprecating <laughs> with it. But they were, and they pointed out he lost matches. Very good for him. Um, it sucked, Jeremy. I didn't like it. I'm sorry. I just didn't like it. They confirmed the distractions report that Triple H does put people over, and people were were very mad. They're like, no, he buried all these people. As we said when previewing this 25-year celebration, Triple H put a lot of people over, and they confirmed that on SmackDown. So I appreciate them confirming our report. I didn't mind it. The the Vince stuff was awkward, um, but... 
as you said, he'd been through a lot. So I, Vince just went out there and kind of did Vince things. He, it was awkward. I'm just going to leave it at that. Very yeah. awkward. The, the Triple H and Sean stuff, I didn't, I didn't mind it at all. The, they're just, look, they ain't got much else to do on these shows, Joe. They just don't. If they want to go out there and have a 20 minute banter session and throw in some jokes that some people are going to enjoy, let them, let them do it. I, I would much rather watch this than Braun try to be like a human. And- when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply be scared of stuff that's in a box or something i i didn't mind this at all i thought stephanie was the star because she's the only person who actually watches this show who's at, who's on the show it, they're facetiming road dog and road dog's like wait you guys are on right now you're live like don't you work in the company you don't know when the show is on at least stephanie is watching so many people you we want to complain like do they not watch the product? Did they not see what happened last week when this person said that or this happened? That's why they got to throw to these video packages all the time. Take a look at what's happening. What happened last week, everybody? That's why they got to do this because no one actually watches. Stephanie watches the product. I appreciate that. And that is why she's going to run the company very soon. Well, I just, I mean, you're correct. The Ric Flair part was great though because everyone watching the show is like, Rick's going to cry. You know, yeah. calls... That was good. I just, I don't know, man. I mean, the the whole thing where their comedy is like, I can't even describe their comedy, but it has been the same for legitimately 25 years. So I respect that much. <laughs> I hope in 25 years, me and you are still doing jokes about April 30th when the DDT pinned Bailey. I hope that's the way we, we evolve, just like these guys. But yeah, look, good for them. Um, I hope someone out there left this thing and it was like, wow, what a cool guy. He lost wrestling matches. Good for him. You know, sure. I guess if that was the takeaway... The Vince part, um, before I realized he was doing the thing where he listed off like bad ideas, the gobbledygook story like had me legit scared for him because I thought he just didn't know what was going on. <laughs> he was talking about the gobbledygook for what felt like ages. He was just going, you know, and then I said this and then this did that. And I was just sort of, I was watching, <laughs> I was legitimately looking Triple H and Sean for like reassurance that he was okay. And this was, this is what they expected him to come out and say. Uh, and then he went on some shots at us, which you pointed out to me. I missed these shots. Um, and a personal shot at me. But other than that, I mean, it went on very long. I laughed. The most I laughed was at Stephanie's part and at the man who took away Triple H's water bottle, which I did think was funny. I will admit <laughs> that was very funny. I like that. Um, yeah, Vince did not blame Bailey for the This Is Your Life celebration, clearly blaming Alexa for the whole thing. That's yeah. what, That's how I took it. Anyway, people are telling me, no, he's taking responsibility. I didn't see it like this. I, I thought he just he put all the blame on Alexa. I've got to explain this because I like I think if you watch this show, you know what my bias is on that one. But like Bailey should never have got any Bailey's no. not in the segment. She's never in the segment up until the end. She comes out and says like two lines and gets beat up. Like the segment is Alexa's segment. It's just called Bailey, this is your life. I don't know why this has ever been kind of made like a Bailey deal. 
The segment sucked for many reasons, which we will never get into on this podcast. But as much as I would like to blame Bailey, you literally cannot blame her. Um, so, yes, that was very honourable of him to give the blame to someone else. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I mean, what was the other one he mentioned? Oh, Katie Vick, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was a home run. Wow. I mean, <laughs> what's the normal person watching this show thinking? God, I mean, that's a ridiculous question at this point. We know what they're thinking. Turn it off, right? That's what they're thinking. Get it off. Get it off now. But yeah, awful. <laughs> awful. I, before people yell at me, Vince took responsibility. I don't think anybody was blaming Alexa. My God, the replies I got off of that, Joseph. I Sometimes I, I do it to myself with the, the AEW, WWE talk. This one, I, I didn't try to do it, but man, I got attacked on that one. Well, the reason for that is, Jeremy, is because, you know, Alexa Bliss fans, and I will speak on behalf of these lunatics, I, I don't consider myself in the group. Um, I have some fun on Twitter when I'm trying to upset other fan bases. But I'll say this. These people, like, they have their heels they'll die on, right? And they'll allow you to talk about bad matches. They accept that, you know, two-and-a-half-star Bliss, all that great stuff. The promos is like our, like, sector of confidence, right? So when you mention that one promo segment, we have to just... We have to attack. So I obviously don't. I'm aware. I'm in, I'm in the business now. Right? I know what's going on. <laughs> but when they see a media man like yourself, Jeremy, bringing this segment up that we don't talk about, they lash out. And I understand it. This is our area of expertise, the promo. And that was very, very bad. So I get it. You have to understand where they're coming from here, Jeremy. You've got you've to tell them to stand down, Joseph. You've got to explain to them to, to stand down on this kind of – you called them I off in the, in the tournament – Call them off of me when, when I make jokes on Twitter. Would you like me to do it with like a quote tweet? Like, please don't, don't <laughs> yeah. attack Jeremy. He's a nice guy. I'll just be the top reply. I could do that too. I'll do both, actually. It makes sense. Yeah. I'll do it. I'll do it in future. Uh, we're going to go on to NXT now. Charlotte defended her NXT women's title on Wednesday against Mia Yim. She is scheduled to take on Io Shirai next Wednesday. Charlotte's had the title for just under a month. She's been part of the shows. People don't seem to really care. Where are you at on Charlotte being NXT women's champion and her, uh, I guess it's really only a one match run, but the promos and the now Io Shirai mm. upcoming match. Well, it's interesting. I, mean, I remember when we spoke about this before Mania, right? And I was expecting her to win the title. One of the main things I liked about her winning the title was she would not be on Raw. So she could come back hot, like in the territory system, right? Like she'd be like fresh again, which would be a real step for her because she's not been fresh for a long time. I don't want to criticize them for not doing that because clearly circum... Like Raw clearly doesn't have a lot of people there right now. So you can't just be like, nope, Charlotte is off no matter what. You have to use her, I guess, if she wanted people there. However, it is having an adverse effect because, like, I'm seeing her more now. <laughs> like, that was not what I wanted. I did not need more, Charlotte. I mean, I think Charlotte's tremendous, but I didn't need more segments of the Queen and, you know, this, that, and the next thing. The match on NXT was – I liked the match. I'm a little bit concerned because I remember when they did the War Games deal and all that stuff, I remember the dialogue being NXT has the best women's division. And I agree with that, actually, at the time. I'm a little bit concerned if this is about to become a deal where it's like that division was awesome and then Charlotte came into town and beat every single person <laughs> in it. That's that seems like a dangerous move. One and you know, especially when you have like Bianca Blair's going up, Shayna has gone up. I just I fear what this is doing to the audience that actually likes NXT if she just comes in and beats everyone. And Shirai is a very risky one in that case because their audience loves her. 
Mia Yim is over like let to a lesser degree. Um but the match was cool and it is cool to see Charlotte with new opponents, but um this is a, a risky one, a dangerous territory they're entering here because two segments of Charlotte every week will not help Aris if she's a little bit overexposed Al. It feels like they're running through these matches pretty quickly. I mean she she beat Ripley, I get it, that's WrestleMania, it's done. Like you're doing Yim and Shirai back to back, assuming she beats Shirai uh, you have who else? Tegan, like Tegan is because yeah. Bianca's up, Shayna's up. Tegan's like the only Tegan's the next baby face. Yeah, yeah. Tegan's like the next mm-hmm. baby face, and she's probably not ready for that spot just yet. And it's just, it seems like she's running through this stuff pretty quick. I'm not saying drag out, do a three month feud with Mia Yim, but. It feels like you could have gotten more out of the EO Shirai stuff. And the problem is, like, EO, I guess, is still a heel. And, but she won the match, so yeah. you have to do a heel versus heel. I don't know how you really build that for a long, sustainable stretch of time. It's like the division still has plenty of talent. This is a, this is an all encompassing NXT issue of there's a lot of talent. They've kind of lost that ability to tell any type of sustainable story and some of it is due to circumstance i know you're working with a limited roster but some of it is just you, it doesn't feel like you're trying with some of this stuff i swear if i have to see another keith lee dijakovic damian priest mix match match i i'm, I'm just done because i i've seen these guys wrestle 300 times in front of no one and that includes their their previous matches years ago i, I don't need to see it anymore I'm just your your point there about NXT and the like the struggle with telling a story. I think we can go more specific and just be like the baby faces, man. Like, I'm looking at their roster here, right? Candice LeRae and Dakota Kai should both be like premier baby faces to work Charlotte, and neither of them are. They're both heels, <laughs> and I just wonder. I wonder if at some point someone's going to put their hand up in one of these meetings and go, "I don't think we can turn a heel, guys." Okay, whoever it is we're talking about here. Like, Candice, right, I get the thing of why they're doing it, and I understand the story they're telling, but she's such a great baby face. Dakota Kai was such a great baby face. Now, that one, if you feel like her and Tegan would be better off as foes, I get it. But, like, now what you're left with is, like you say, Shirai is not even a baby face. So, I don't know, the Shades of Grey deal comes back again. Um, it's tough. I, I always assumed Rhea was going to beat her at the, the, um, the SummerSlam takeover. Now, whether that is even a thing that will happen now seems unlikely, but that was my assumption. Um, how we get there, like you say, like if we're going this quick, I don't know if that's the plan at all. Maybe Shirai wins, Jeremy. Maybe she wins next week. I don't know. I I would be very surprised if she wins. I wouldn't I wouldn't hate it at all. I think it would be great. Um, it, when you mentioned the heel turn, they've turned Candice, Dakota, and Shirai heel all in the last year. Like, that's three heel... They would get a warning in TEW of being like, ah, you've done a little bit too many baby-face-to-heel turns with the women here. Maybe you shouldn't do this. Like, the, this is what's going on with it. It's like when they when they can't figure out what to do with a person, it's just, let's turn them heel and then say they had ulterior motives or, or whatever, whatever their explanation typically is. It's... They got to stop yeah. with that. They, they've got to stop with that and just figure out how to just book an actual baby-face. All right, just to ask, and I'm, this is a genuine question, I don't know. Mercedes Martinez, like, she's been on TV 
NXT or am I am I missing something? She's been on TV a ton, right? Not during the. I, I don't think she's wrestled during the the empty arena shows, and before that, as she wasn't really like a regular weekly kind of person. Yeah, because she came like she was in the Rumble, and I remember being kind yeah. of like, "Wow, that's they must have something in mind." But I don't feel like I've seen her much at all since then. So. She would be a tremendous opponent for Charlene, just like a TV title match. That would be awesome, but I don't know what the deal is with her either. So, yeah, they've got a ton of talent. They need to kind of reshuffle things, I think, a little bit if you're going to have Charlotte's heel champ. But, again, it all depends on how long this intends to last. I think both of us assume it's heading back to Rhea, right? Like, she's got to just overcome Charlotte. But then at that point, it's like, okay, now which one of the people Charlotte beat does Charlotte's Rhea lose to, right? So... It's a, it's a strange one. It's a little bit of uncharted territory for them. I don't know. I like the idea on paper before. In execution, while it's cool we're getting these matches, it isn't achieving the main thing I wanted, which was like, okay, just give Charlotte some time away from Raw, basically. People are big mad at Charlotte, too. She kicked out of Rhea's finisher at two, like, three minutes into their Mania match. She apparently no-sold Mia Yim's finisher last night. EO EO's going to hit her with... I don't know oh. what EO's finisher is, and Charlotte's just gonna not even take it. I, I don't know what EO's finisher yeah. is. I'm sorry. No, I think what happened last night was that Mia has like changed her finish. Okay. So her old finish, I guess, now automatically becomes like a signature move deal, and Charlotte was just like not bumping for it, <laughs> so, <laughs> which I respect. I'm all for that. So. Yeah, I mean, I, sometimes that stuff's harsh because like, I've watched the match and I certainly didn't watch it thinking, wow, Charlotte's just eating her up. Like, I, I don't think that was her intention at all. Stuff happens. We get it. We see this stuff happen. But, yeah, there's there's a narrative forming. Can we say that much? There is a narrative forming. Very much so with Charlotte. Um, she's on two shows. <laughs> That's kind of what you need to know about that. She's on two <laughs> shows. She's a big star, Joe. A big star. <laughs> 600,000. Sure is. Moves them ratings. Yeah, 600,000. Watching every week on NXT. Big star. Our final topic, we're going to jump to AEW here. They had the uh, semifinals of the TNT title tournament. Cody defeated Darby Allen. Lance Archer defeated Dustin Rhodes. We figured this is where they would end up uh, with Cody and Lance Archer, but what do you make of how they got there with the two semifinal matches, particularly the finishes in both matches, Joe? Um, I'm, I'm torn on this. I think I've, I mentioned that I was really high on the idea of like Cody slipping on that Darby Allen banana peel, right? I was really high on that, but in watching it, I also like the thing where Darby's like mountaintop is beating Cody, right? He can't beat Cody. Uh, but at the same time, the finish here was like, that was what they were going for, right? Like he, he nearly beat him. He had him. He just didn't close the deal. I just thought it looked very, very bad. I didn't like the execution of it. There was something off about the way Darby looked in that. He just looked dumb to me is, what, is the problem, yeah. right? Um, the main <laughs> the Archer-Dustin thing was exactly what I expected, which was like a prolonged, like, rocky scene. It meant, like, it was it was that deal, right? We kind of knew what it was going to get. The towel throwing was perfectly dramatic, and I liked it a lot. Um, I will never not find it funny. We spoke about it. It's a tiny bit off air. Doing the moonsault old school deal for two and then like just pinning him by just slamming his head into the mat to death was like, well, I mean, that was that was an approach to match layout, certainly. But Archer's been great, I think. And Archer and Cody's a big match. I wish they were saving it for different circumstances. But if we've, as we've said a million times now, when, when are those circumstances coming? Right. So I get it. I'm for it. I'm just 
a, a big part of me feels like the move here is Archer just like just runs through Cody because then you give Cody like he's a new kind of story to tell, right? Yeah, I wouldn't put the title on Cody because um, I think Archer's been very good and Cody he can have the title, he'll be fine with it. I mean, he'll he'll be more than fine. He'll be great with it, but he's not someone that necessarily needs it at this stage and Archer being kind of a conquering monster and just running through guys makes more sense to me than, than Cody just kind of being fighting champion type deal, especially with no crowd. Like mm -hmm. you want, if, if you're going to put the title on Cody, you kind of want the crowd to like be there to really pop for that and everything. I, I think that has to change or influence their booking a little bit. I don't know if it does, um, but I, I would think it would. Uh, the Darby Allen, yeah, he looks stupid. He he gets the knees up on Cody's coffin drop. He hits his own coffin drop. And then he just like rolls over and pins himself. It didn't even look like Cody had any type of leverage or hook or anything on that. Like Darby just like pinned himself off of that move. It looked really dumb. And I, I don't mind Cody beating Darby, but don't make it look that bad with it like Cody trying to conquer uh, or Darby trying to conquer Cody in the future great that's fine but he he just looked dumb off of this and I, I wasn't a fan of that the archer finish was great the the moonsault whatever but the the actual finish of him just beating the hell out of Dustin that was awesome yeah I this was a case the the Darby thing was a case of like they were so desperate to protect him that they they what they like overfought it to the point where it made him look worse than just getting pinned clean would have. It legitimately did, because the audience watching it, they would have thought nothing of him just losing. So him losing like that was like, oh, he's dumb. What? That's strange. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I feel like Archer and Cody, because you have a conflict there that goes beyond the, you know, the tournament, I just thought it was, it would have been smart to kind of keep that as a separate deal. There is a part of me that thinks, we both agree Archer is champ is the way, but Maybe just in terms of the grand scheme, is there a better way to start a mid-card title, so to speak, than putting it on a guy like Cody? I guess from a kind of a stature point of view, that would be the best move, right? But So I could see that happening, but the problem is then, how do you beat Archer in an empty building without just killing him? That's really the question at that point, which is why I keep going back to Archer winning it. And that's why I think you have to have Archer win it as well, and it's Cody's pretty much bulletproof. At this point, you yeah. may as well try to heat up as many other guys as you can. Because, um, like, Cody is now... This is this is kind of my issue with, with Cody overall. Is it's, it's not that he's not putting guys over. I think he's won the matches he should have, and, and he lost the, the match that he should have um, to MJF. But he's going to now have two wins over Darby. This most recent one, he just... He made Darby look dumb. Like, why couldn't they have done... Darby does a coffin drop. Cody kicks out. Darby goes to the well again for the coffin drop. Cody gets his knees up and then pins him off of that. And then it looked like, oh, you, you like you tried it too many times. Something like that. Like the just the way or just make the pinfall look better. Just make the pen look better. It, it was just not a good looking pen, and that was the issue. Uh but you know, he's beating Darby twice. He's facing Janella next week. I would imagine Cody's beating Janela next week. So, like, Janela just kind of loses these matches to, like, Moxley and Cody and to Omega. Like, at some point, these guys got to make somebody. And Archer would seem like the guy you can you can easily make out of this whole thing. Yeah, because he kind of 
you can put him in a different category, right? Like that he can exist as a star on the show without him kind of going into their territory. And I don't mean that in the sense of they're protecting themselves. I just mean looking at a roster, he fills a different void than what them guys already cover. So yeah, I'm with you. Uh, and I do think that the truth is like we could sit here and come up with a hundred finishes. Maybe Derby gets a visual pin and there's a rep, you know, something like that. But the truth is, it's just the execution. Right? The execution just looks so weird. Yeah. And it may have been a, a deal with like how it just was shot even. But the way that Derby just kind of tilted, it just totally killed the energy. And you could tell that kind of the... Um, it seemed to me like Jericho and Shivani were like... They didn't know what to do with that finish, I thought. I, I just... I don't know. They've been great on these shows. We haven't discussed this, right? Chris Jericho's colour commentator of the year deal that everyone's talking about on the socials. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. It's a taped show reshoot the finish mm. just reshoot the finish and just edit it better or whatever you gotta do but like you watch the show you you know what the that com- comes off as just y'all are smarter than that so so just do that um yeah jericho and shivani i will admit when jericho like first started it seemed like a little too much for me um, yeah. I, it was just very Chris Jericho and that's not a bad thing. Uh, Chris Jericho is fantastic, <laughs> but it was just, I guess I just had to adjust to what it was. And, and once I finally adjusted, like, all right, this is what I'm going to get. He's been fantastic. But I was a little, when, when he first started, like, this is a little too much for me. And it was probably just cause I was down on empty arena wrestling at, at anything. So I was just probably going to hate everything, but He's been great. The the bubbly bunch stuff has been pretty pretty fantastic. The I the flim flam stuff I thought was dumb, but I understand it's poking fun of uh, stuff. The the thing last night with the uh, I don't even know what kind of stupid challenge it is on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. But the guest cameos and everything on that. We got Luther. We got Luther Joseph. Uh, Japanese yes. deathmatch legend, original death dealer, Luther, making an appearance on, on Dynamite during the little Manitoba melee. Chris Jericho's awesome. This guy's just awesome. You know what's interesting? He's like, he's obviously doing the classic heel commentator bit, right? The color guy that kind of, he he takes a clear side. And he but one thing I've noticed that makes him a lot more palatable, enjoyable, is there's this like... Um, a connection with Shivani where even though he'll be mean to Tony sometimes, you can tell he's having fun with him too. And that is actually more important than I've ever realized because without naming any names, Jeremy, there are some announcers, they do the heel color bit, but it's like, good Lord, man. Like they're just having a fist fight at the announce table at this point with Jericho and Shivani. It's like you're listening to like an old married couple. They're just, I thought they're tremendous together. But um, speaking of all that stuff and the, the vignettes and the stuff that inner circle did, I think, as much as me and you both have struggled with these shows overall, WWE, AEW, whatever, AEW has done a pretty good job of coming up with different style of vignettes, right? So you have the Scorpio Sky, which is like a traditional thing we've seen quite a lot with the kind of like backstory and, and doing it really well. I like all of that. Then you have the Brit staff and the MJF staff. Both of them are doing the same thing in the sense of they're getting over these heel characters in just tremendous fashion that fits them perfectly. But... um that's been a positive, I think, for AW. I've struggled with the shows overall, but they're getting characters over still as they go along here, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, the the Brit promo yesterday, last night, was 
awesome. The the MJF stuff yeah. has been very good. Like you said, they're they're getting their characters over by playing themselves and it's nothing even the Jericho stuff. Like Jericho his group is sort of like the this kind of heavy heavy sort of group, but they're also there's always been the layers of the just kind of self-deprecating kind of comedy there like when with the big celebration type thing that they did uh when jericho was the champion like that that stuff has always been there and so through the this bubbly bunch stuff they're still able to do that and they they've certainly been very creative like they're capitalizing they're capitalizing on these social media trends these tiktok trend i don't i'm not on the tiktok um are you on tiktok joe <laughs> No, we're the worst podcast to discuss. It's, uh, we sound so old right now. We're like, that's stuff the kids do on the internet. Yeah, we don't have any idea what's going on, but we recognize it's a thing that's happening. And yeah. they're using that is your point, correct? Yeah, and they're, you know, they're using that to, like, connect, but also show, like, they're older. Uh, and, like, they don't even have, like, this understanding of it. Like, the thing last night, it's like, all right, let's do this bit. And it's mainly like I guess they had a couple like Sunny Kiss and Jungle Boy and them, but like everyone else in that video is just like these. Chris Jericho just went through his Rolodex and was like, "All right, uh, let's call up Jay and Silent Bob and Lou Ferrigno." And they got Hornswoggle and Vicky Guerrero. There's like all these older people. It's like, "Hey, you want to do this?" And it's like, "Sure." Like they, I, I thought the yeah. the thing last night was really tremendously well done. Yeah, and the other one which I thought was good too, was another like off-set uh, segment was the, the Moxley promo. Yeah. Like, all of them had their own style, right? Like, that was a little thing that made them all, even though I just forgot that one then when I was listening off, I could point them out and be like, okay, I remember this one looked like this, this did that. So, so that is cool. The Brit stuff was like, I cannot believe how much of a 180 this guy. And I know we we do a lot of kind of Brit chatter on here. We do. We talk about enough, and we, we totally are with the idea that they need to actually build a division here. They can't just be Brit. But Brit on her own is pretty cool. I must say, this has been a tremendous 180. They've adapted perfectly, but she, let's not give them credit here. She has been just tremendous in this stuff. She's been great. Her and Shivani, uh, I think Brit could be on commentary with Shivani. I, it wouldn't be quite as good as the Jericho stuff, but I, I think she would do very well in that role. Um, yeah. She did do commentary for one of the women's match, didn't she? She did, yeah, but it was like a, at that point, it was just still had Jim and Excalibur. She, you know, yeah. started talking them settings, as we know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, the the video package last night was was tremendous. So, AEW, a, a solid show, and we'll see what they do with the. Uh, I guess they're going live next week. Big show, Matt Hardy's mm-hmm. in ring debut. I know you're excited about that, Joe. Big Matt Hardy fan. Um, they got some some other stuff. <laughs> I got some other stuff on the the show next week as well with uh, Cody wrestling and Moxley wrestling, things of that nature. So NXT stacked next week as well. The women's title match, the uh, Adam Cole defending the the title. Finn Balor is going to be there. So the the wars are back next week, Joe. The wars are starting really back next week. Are you excited for that? I've heard from sources, Jeremy, that there is talk people are going to be jumping ship next week. That's oh. how heated it's getting. Florida is about to be a war zone in ways than one. But in the professional wrestling world, it is going to be some dangerous stuff going on. Talent switches that no one knows about other than the talent themselves. Um, just be ready, folks, because the war, it never ended, right? We know this, Jeremy. It's been raging on. Tons of people are watching both shows and both are going great right now. And it's, gonna, it's about to heat up again. 
I'm telling you. And I have not, I'm not going to say anything about Lufa, but Lufa, there's a lot going on right now. That's all I'm saying, folks. I'll leave it at that. There you go. Big scoops from Joe. Tune in next week to our show. You can watch the AEW and NXT shows if you want, but tune in next week to our show as we break it all down. Um, that is going to wrap it up for us today. Again, we have the TEW series coming out this weekend, Saturday, 7 o'clock, Fightful.com, part two of the draft. We, we round out our 20-person rosters there. A big surprise at the end. I, I think I undersold this on Tuesday. There is a very big surprise that if you were a fan of the first TEW series, you're going to love the surprise at the end of, of part two of the draft. Part three, the following week with a, a couple of... Joseph, part three, I mean, you lived through it, but that was a process, part three. I don't want to spoil everything, but it was a process. Yeah, that was a war zone in itself, right? <laughs> that, that draft that draft session, I went through a roller coaster there, folks. I really did. And you're going to see it. You can watch it play out. Um, I've still not spoiled anything, which is an amazing feat. Would you agree with that, Jeremy? I've not spoiled anything. I will not spoil anything, so I'll just say watch it. Tell me when stuff airs, when you, when you tweet me about it. Make sure I know what you're tweeting about. Don't just say, good pick. That's very bad for me. I don't know what you're telling me. But, yeah, it gets very exciting. This week and then next week is like, that's the peak of sport in my view. I don't think we'll ever top that in media in general, let alone wrestling media. No, real real sports wrestling next week. It gets heated. Um, but I, I think things work out for the best in the end. We, we become enemies. We become friends again. As Joe said, it is a roller coaster for part three. Tuesdays, we reviewed The Chaperone. This week, next week, we are going to review Stuber, starring Batista, who is a much better actor and wrestler and entertainer than Triple H. We're going to review Stuber next week. And then next Thursday, 7 o'clock here on Fightful, we'll do our usual wrestling podcast where we break down the men and women who jumped ship from AEW to NXT and NXT to AEW and anything else that happened in the world of wrestling. As you can tell by this show, a ton going on in the world of wrestling. Apollo Crews getting a big push, just a topic that we cannot ignore here on this show. Sign up to Fightful Select, get exclusive news, extra audio, all that fun stuff. Joseph, where can the people follow you on social media? Um, Joe Holbert 5, I am not in any trouble. I have no heat. I am plodding along nicely, Jeremy. I don't upset anyone on there, as you well know. But tonight is a night to celebrate. Now, here's the deal. If you want to celebrate this anniversary, this three-year anniversary, this celebration of a triumph we all remember so well, uh, follow me, tweet me, send me a picture of your cold Pepsi Max in celebration. <laughs> Um, snacks, chocolate treats, whatever it may be you're using this evening. Um, as long as it's PG, please share it with me because I will share it with my incredible followers that all like me very much. Right, Jeremy? That's what I'll do. There you go. Join in on the uh, Joe Lexa celebration on social media. Uh, use the hashtag Joe Lexa. <laughs> Don't use that hashtag. <laughs> use the hashtag the distraction right there you can see it in the corner use that hashtag we're trending number one still worldwide throughout this whole show we thank everyone for their support you can follow me on twitter at jeremy lambert 88 don't yell at me for my jokes 
none of this is serious. It's pro wrestling, everybody. If you're going to yell at me for my jokes, go yell at Joseph instead. Just don't do it to me. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you on Saturday.